This episode is full of spoilers and contains some not-so-super language. citizens welcome to the fortress of potitude i'm dave michaels i'm brian betts and we are the cape podcasters and this is the show that has been skeptical about chocolate covered pretzels since 1995 (laughs) it's true i don't take any secondhand chocolate covered pretzels these days that bag has got to be sealed and closed for me to accept a gift of chocolate covered pretzels and also i'm gonna need to smell your hand before you even pass that along yep so realistically gloves on you need to have them on to pass me a, a very vacuum-sealed bag of those delicious chocolate-covered pretzels. <laughs> that's why I think that's why since 1993 I've kind of favored the yogurt-covered instead. I don't think there's a difference, really. I mean, they're a little melty. I get it. You can smear them along that Michael Rooker hand all you want. It's but, true. I mean, he's putting that up into his mouth. He's got to smell it, right? He's got to smell think, it. think before you go and lick the hands, something has to, you got to catch a whiff, Something's right? got to click there. Like, all right, so we understand that smell and like taste are connected. This if is I'm true. licking a stink palmed hand, my own, going, just licking that bad boy. Yeah. Something in the olfactory area has got to go, it's at least a yellow flag. Right? Like, hey, something about this smells like shit. <laughs> That's a bit more on the nose, I suppose. <laughs> or in the nose. I think that's an appropriate way to start off with Brian's birthday. (laughs) That's right. Shit covered hands. Happy birthday, Brian. Thank you. And your pick for your birthday was not Power Rangers. And I felt like that was a gift to everybody. Sometimes your birthday comes along and you go, you know what? This year, gifts for everybody else. What a guy. He's finally getting on the train. The (laughs) train. Sure, the the not Power Rangers train, the maybe hold this over Dave's head for another year train. Oh, that's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's like on the horizon. That has to be some sort of podcast terrorist attack. Possibly, I don't know. The, at least the equivalent of podcast waterboarding. <laughs> at the very least. <laughs> but today, we are talking about 1995's Mall Rats, directed by the Kevin fucking Smith. Kevin fucking Smith. You might know him from movies like Clerks, Chasing Amy, Dogma, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, Clerks 2, Zack and Mary Make a Porno, and others. Got Tusk, you got Red State? Yep, others. Exactly. And a lot of projects that come about and then fail, and then come about and then fail, because that just seems to be what he does. That's the trajectory. Man's always working. He is. He's done episodes of The Flash and Supergirl. Like, he keeps busy, for sure. He absolutely does, and he podcasts like no other. He just doesn't ever stop. It's true. What made you pick this movie for your birthday? Oh, it's real simple. I love this movie. There it is. There it is. I need to hear, I guess. We got a little bit of flack for doing uh, Chasing Amy on on Patreon. So I was like, all right, we'll we'll bring a little view askew over to the main show. I think we could probably bring the rest of it over to the main show. I mean, maybe. I don't know. It is pushing it with our very loose rule that we have. It's got to be a comic book movie or a superhero movie. That's the idea. Or at least a prolonged run stemming from an initial appearance, perhaps as a superhero in a movie. If that translates into a longer running comic, 
I'll allow it. Fair enough. Do you just want to get into this thing? I think the best thing to do is to just get into Mallrats. We open up with scenes from a mall. Go figure. How about that? It's your typical stores like Fashionable Mail and Buy Me Toys and Rug Munchers. Right, no jokes about this mall at all. There's also a VO from the one and only Jason Lee about his weird cousin that in no way connects to the rest of the movie, and we're going to get there a little bit later. We sure are. We get proper opening credits, complete with comic book covers of all of the cast. And Dave, it's my birthday, so I'm going to hit you with a few of these. Here's your first actual IMDb trivia fact. Okay. Um, thank you for the warning, by the way. Uh, I'm, I'm sitting down. We're good to go. I'm going to read this one as it's written because oh, geez. <laughs> that's half the joy. In the opening credits for Ben Affleck in the movie depict a comic book, which is a parody of Batman. 20 years later, Affleck would be cast as Bruce Wayne, a.k.a. Batman, in Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. It's true. And even that Bruce Wayne, we said he's fantastic. We did. And that Batman probably likes to screw women in a very uncomfortable place. Well, like the back of a Volkswagen? It never gets old. In it, my never, head. it never ever gets, gets old. old. It's just like try not to suck any dicks on your way through the parking lot. Exactly. <laughs> After the credits, we meet T.S. Quint, played by Jeremy fucking London. The only time he'll probably ever get a fucking. I think it's deserved. I guess. He does a, a good enough job. He makes he shows you care up. about the lead character. <laughs> That's good. We'll get there. Uh, fair enough. <laughs> T.S. has planned a road trip vacation to Florida with his girlfriend, Brandy, played by Claire Forlani. And you know what? In this opening scene, those glasses she's wearing gets a fucking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Claire Forlani's fucking glasses in this opening scene. So why did that do it for you? I don't know. I think I just I have a thing for... Women with poor eyesight. <laughs> <laughs> and it hopes they have a thing for you as well. I mean, Due it to helps. the poor eyesight. <laughs> That'd be such a weird pickup line. Hey, you nearsighted or farsighted? Because I'll go farther across this bar if you need me to. Oh, I, I actually don't hate that. <laughs> Which means, <laughs> oh no, not great. <laughs> it would be weird if you like walked around with like an eye chart shirt just to really test all the ladies out. Oh, that'd be really good. But what would it say as it got smaller? It would say, hey, do you like being fucked in an uncomfortable place? And then it has the Volkswagen symbol underneath it, so it looks like it's like a sponsored shirt. Exactly, but you have to get real close. You'd have to get really close. But I feel like with the Volkswagen logo, it would just like sucker people in. People like, ha ha, it's like Mazda Zoom Zoom, baby. (laughs) It's just like Mazda Zoom Zoom, baby. But you know, sexy because it's German. Right. And I'm sure on the tag, it has, like, washing instructions and a safety word. <laughs> safety word is cotton. Jeez. These Germans are hot. It's the fabric of our lives. <laughs> T.S. goes to Brandy's house to pick her up. And she meets him in the driveway and tells him she can't go on their trip. It turns out her father is producing this TV show that's a total ripoff of the dating game. And the day prior... T.S. made an offhand remark to the female contestant, Julie Dwyer, which is a name you should recognize from Clerks. If you are a View Askew Universe fan, which you should be, to be watching any of these View Askew Universe movies, or else, what's the point? <laughs> it's <laughs> all just true. connecting jokes to a point. That's a name you should absolutely recognize. Absolutely. Uh, T.S. offhandedly remarked that the camera adds 10 pounds, so she started obsessively swimming laps at the YMCA pool until she died of a brain embolism. Not great. 
that's traditionally not something you're looking forward to when you're trying to get ready to be on TV is death. For what it's worth, though, he said it was like 700 laps she did. That's too many. You got to imagine, like, her back is just swole. <laughs> so that thing's yeah. going to act like... 10 pounds of muscle. Like floaties back there. Just like, she's dead. I get it. She's got a brain ambulance. She's definitely floating face down. But I guarantee when the coroner got there, he's like, but look at those fucking traps on her. <laughs> she might as well be a fucking Zelda video game with all those traps, man. <laughs> Let's see what you did there. I don't even like Zelda. I'll make that one. I don't mind. The camera adds 10 pounds, sometimes of muscle, and sometimes that's just enough to make you drop the casket. I bet she got like one of those English caskets, like the, the coffin, proper coffins. Like in America, we have just the box. It's big old rectangle. Right. But she probably got so swole from all those laps <laughs> that they had to get like an English one because they come out. Oh, yeah, they, like the, the yeah, trapezoidal. Exactly. Because yeah. of those sweet traps. Because of those sweet traps. Just a proper coffin. <laughs> Man. Like from a vampire movie. She doesn't know how cool she's going to look in there. She has no idea because of the brain embolism. Exactly. She's dead. Obviously. We've, we've totally covered that. Totally dead. And T.S., he's just like, so what? You're just bending over backwards for your stupid father who doesn't like me. Which is admittedly not a great reaction to have over finding out that you inadvertently killed a woman. This is at the point where he could have just like claimed shock the whole movie. Of like, yeah. oh, it didn't sink in, it didn't sink in. And he could still be an asshole, but like still secretly about it. But instead he's like, yeah, gee, dad's just pulling those strings, huh? And so, yeah, he opted for asshole on Front Street. <laughs> exactly. I feel like if like Bruce Springsteen, let's keep a jersey here. We're talking Naturally. about a Kevin Smith movie. I feel like he ever made like one of those turns where he's like a very sweet guy right now. He's on Broadway telling his life story. It's kind of sing talking it to the audience. But I feel like if he ever pulled like a Kramer on stage or something like that, and he pulled a Michael Richards, <laughs> oh, no. and he started getting real racist. The boss? Then he could just be like, I'm putting out a new album, calling it Asshole on Front Street. <laughs> it's all a performance, baby. It does sound like a Springsteen album. And I made her a corpse, but you should have seen those traps. <laughs> her brain exploded, but so did my mind. It's the same, but different. The same, but different. First single. Nailed it. Asshole on Front Street. You're welcome, Bruce. I don't even need royalties, just a writing credit. Please. Let <laughs> me swell. I just want a denim jacket, really. Yes. That's what he does, right? He does the denim jacket. Of course he, he does. used he to, does. at least. That was born to run times. Exactly. Running straight to Front Street to be an asshole. <laughs> Sorry, go on. <laughs> it's your birthday, and I've derailed too far. I mean, that was... Somehow we got into Springsteen territory. I just get excited about some sweet traps. You know, this movie is super Jersey, so it, it makes sense. We're not that far off Front Street. Asshole. <laughs> so T.S. and Brandy get into a big argument, and Brandy breaks up with him. As she should. Right? You know, if you're that cavalier about killing a woman, maybe this isn't the relationship for me. Do you see these sweet fucking glasses, T.S.? I can yeah. see that you're being an asshole. Where? Front Street. Good day, sir. I said good day. Meanwhile, in the basement of his mom's house, T.S.'s best friend, Brody Bruce, Jason fucking Lee. If you didn't know that, 
Kevin Smith love Jaws. Well, now you do. He has Brody tripled Bruce down is... so quickly. Oh, God. I got a Quint. I got a Brody. Let's just call him Bruce. That's deep shit right there. <laughs> Brody Bruce. Nobody will ever see the connection, right? <laughs> Nobody ever. How do we really send this home? We'll get there. <laughs> Brody is woken up by his girlfriend, Renee. It's Shannon Doherty. She's here, fresh off a 90210. She's the biggest star in this movie. Big time. And I would say underused. I will completely agree, but at the same time, she's perfect. She's amazing. Shannon fucking Doherty. Brody would rather play Sega than bring her to breakfast, like he promised. It's because he's got a sweet game of, of NHL 94 going. He absolutely does. He's up 12 to 2 in the second. How many times is the whale going to beat the Canucks? And as we learn, like a year later, when the <laughs> whalers went away, not often. No, Brody was, uh, can see into the future. It was pretty good on his part. They get into a heated argument about his laziness and ignorance and his hiding her from his mother. And then she throws him a breakup letter as she climbs out of his basement bedroom window. That is a baller move because it means she sat there while he's asleep and just been looking at him like, you motherfucker. Yeah. I, I wish there was a song that somehow. Is able to correlate <laughs> how much of how much I hate you. I just use these lyrics against you. Ah. Oh, you sleeping bastard with your Sega games. <laughs> Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned for Sega. It's true. It's absolutely true. <laughs> One of my favorite quotes ever. I've never met your mom, and I think that's lame. <laughs> Can you imagine? He's just like. My mom's been dead for years. This is a psycho situation, and that's why I'm protecting you. You're my way out of this crazy spiral I'm going through, Renee. <laughs> why don't we ever go upstairs then? <laughs> <laughs> that would be the way to do it. Even though in my head when you say, why don't we ever, instantly I went, why don't we ever play Nightcrawlers anymore? Like in my head. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's a different part of the state. Right? South Jersey claims Philly as their city. They do, and it's unfortunate. Not part of Jersey, sorry. But as someone from North Jersey, take them. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> we don't want them. That's fair. That's totally fair. As somebody who spent five years in South Jersey, I don't need your North Jersey. <laughs> Very fair. Me and Brian have agreed, off mic, we will not bring up the Taylor Ham pork roll debate. We will no, not. We will not. Brian's it's birthday. It's not going to happen. It's a joyous occasion. Exactly. I feel like that's you segueing into doing it, but we're gonna we're gonna it's keep not. on. It's rolling not. On. It's your birthday. All right. I appreciate that. T.S. goes. To it's Brody's called house. a fucking Taylor Ham. You stupid Philly heck, you South Taylor Jersey ham is just a bastard. Brand of pork you asshole in the South. Everybody knows that Taylor Ham is just one brand of the greater entity that is pork roll. That's fair. Why are you attacking me? Bruce attacked you. Uh, you know what? Me and Bruce are on good terms. Spent a lot of time right. in Asbury Park. I consider that South. Uh, so do we. So it's fair game. <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you, I watched this movie over the Labor Day weekend while I was in Jersey. So this felt like home to me. It was so weird and just, like nostalgic. And this movie is so unapologetically 90s. Oh, yeah. That everything just clicked for me it in is, my life. Is, quintessential 90s jersey right here on film i just remember doing all of this not the waking up next to a girl because it was me but like waking <laughs> up and you pick up your controller you're like god damn the whale i'm gonna go to the mall now <laughs> yeah that's the part that clicked for me why is there a line at the comic book store we'll get there we will get there ts goes to brody's house after leaving brandy's he tells brody 
but he's going to propose in Florida during the Universal Studios tour when Jaws popped out of the water. Brody tells TS about his being dumped too, and he decides that they need to go to the mall and hang out. It checks out. I get it. When they arrive at the mall, they discover a stage being constructed. So they go over and ask their buddy Willem, played by Ethan fucking Soupley, what's this all about? But he's busy. He's struggling, trying to see the sailboat in the Magic Guy poster. It's wonderful. And what I love about this is that Scott Mosier is a producer on this movie. He is like yes. the producer of View Askew. And he played Willem in Clerks. Yep. And did not get the role in Mallrats. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's amazing. I can't imagine like that first read through where he's like, oh, Willem, uh, sweet. Who's this guy? <laughs> yeah, wait a <laughs> minute. Is this Frankie the Enforcer from Boy Meets World? <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. It absolutely is. Wow. He just, what he a just weird pull. Absolutely crushed it, and we're replacing you. Sorry, producer. That's all right. I'll just I'll, I'll go produce this movie over there in that corner. <laughs> I don't need you guys. Um, can I still be in the movie? I want to wear my headset, though. <laughs> what does that even mean? Do producers wear headsets around? I guess. They do now. Okay. I was on the wrong film sets. It turns out that Brandy's father is going to be staging his dating show at the mall for the public to see. And then, you know, a couple TV execs are going to be there, too. So he's hoping he can impress them by having a, a large live studio audience. To watch this totally generic game exactly. that's very unoriginal, and I guess they needed to do this in a mall for reasons. You know, because that's, the movie is called Mall Rats, not Studio Rats. That's a good point. Brody suggests that he and T.S. find a way to sabotage the show out of revenge. So they turn to the infamous Jay and Silent Bob. Jason fucking Muse. We'll get there. And Kevin fucking Smith. Why'd you say we'll get there for the Jason Muse? Well, you mentioned earlier that Scott Mosher got ousted for his role. Now I, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Got yeah, it. J- Jason right. Muse, the studio did not like Jason Muse, and they said, recast him. And Kevin Smith was like, oh, no, 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 no. The character's based off of this man. I They're, named him after it. That's not Don't really you see how the names are so acting, similar? though. <laughs> J. J. Son. Right. J and Jason. Jay and Jason. And nobody talks like this except for Jason Mewes. Exactly. So they actually, the studio wanted either Seth Green or Brecken Meyer. <laughs> one of those is better than the other. Yeah. And Somehow. one of them is in Garfield. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Most I've mentioned Brecken Meyer in one month and ever, actually. It's gross and I hate it so much. Jay and Silent Bob are loitering in front of a pet store and. Brody enlists their help in wrecking the stage. It didn't take much either. He's like, I want to bring that bad boy down. They're like, yeah, we're going to do that anyway. I've got something here. It is not an actual IMDb trivia fact. It's our friends at cinemacats.com. Oh, of course it is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and they have, they have a lot to say about this scene and also the opening credits that I said we'll get to. Okay. Cat burglars, aka scene stealers. The opening of the film includes a joke about a guy buying cats from a pet store that he uses in an unorthodox way. After T.S. and Brody arrive at the mall, they meet up with Jay, Jason Muse, and Silent Bob, Kevin Smith, in front of a pet store. Jay is banging on the window and yelling, Kitty, kitty, kitty! <laughs> yes, he is. The kittens are seen in the window throughout the scene. Next to them are the gerbils, which also ties into the opening joke. Final musings? Don't bang on the glass. 
And don't stick cats up your ahem. I like how PG they keep it. Somehow. The opening joke of this movie, that is somehow related now. I can't believe it either. Somehow. Is how Brody's cousin keeps going to the pet store to get cats. And then he keeps sticking the cats up his ass. <laughs> but he keeps going back, keeps going back. And the joke is, well, how am I going to get the gerbil out? Exactly. And the answer is, ask Richard Gere. <laughs> uh, how did I know Richard Gere was going to come up in this episode? I've looked up that story, and Snope says it's false. Oh, no. Which is very, very unfortunate, because now why should I care about Richard Gere at all? <laughs> well, he has the same hairstylist as Bruce Springsteen, so... That's a very, very good point. <laughs> and the kitty cats go into the dark, so the gerbil can see the daylight. <laughs> I don't know that that's the intent of putting the cat up there. No? I think the cat's just meant to eat the gerbil. Well, I mean, the cat's going into the dark because it's, it's going into those sweet cheeks. Right. And the gerbil is, in theory, getting pulled out. But probably still inside the cat. Oh, that's a good point. So he's just going into a different Unless the moisture daylight... level. <laughs> oh, okay. Maybe. He's like, what's in this butt? It's, this, is a very, this is a very Richard Gere butt. It's toy, like a tiger. <laughs> toy. But I have to imagine it's like jarring if you're in a butt. Yeah. <laughs> Something grabs you, and you're like, I'm finally getting out of this butt. Oh, there's teeth in this but butt now. But there's teeth in the butt. It's not like a, a vagina dentata situation. It's a <laughs> an anal dentata situation. Naturally. In theory, if you're the gerbil. Right. This is all theory. We're going to give someone one month free Patreon if they can figure out this whole situation. <laughs> That's bold. I like it. <laughs> Send your hypotheses to katepodcasters at gmail.com. Who in the gerbil move from the gear butt into the kitty butt? <laughs> You're just suggesting it's like a straight shot. <laughs> this is the weirdest human centipede I ever seen. Mostly because it's only half human. <laughs> the front is a human, the middle's a cat, and the back is Helena Bonham Carter, because I imagine <laughs> she loves some cats. Yeah, naturally. This all checks out. It's You go ass to ass with the two cats, and you go mouth to mouth with the cat and Helena Bonham Carter. Exactly. <laughs> I just, I'm thinking of cat ladies, and she popped up way too quickly. Yeah, in my head, I'm like, out. no, she's got way too many cats. For sure. And that's why her and Tim Burton don't live together. Because Tim Burton's like, I tried to cast Nick Cage in a Superman movie. People think I'm crazy enough. I can't be around all these cats and you, Helena Bonham Carter. And we connected it back. We wanted the Mallrats guy to direct it. Exactly. <laughs> it's a mess. <laughs> Long story short, don't tap on the glass. Exactly. If we've learned anything here today. <laughs> so they accept but they need a way to either distract or take out the mall security guard, LaFors. Played by Sven Thorson. Dave, I have another actual IMDb trivia fact for you. The mall cop named LaFors is probably named after LaFors from Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. In Butch Cassidy, LaFors is considered the toughest sheriff and his trademark is a white straw hat, just like LaFors in this film. That checks out. I would not fuck with Sven Thorson. Hard stop. The guy yeah, looks no. mean and tough. And he's got sparkling baby blue eyes. He does. But then when you put that straw hat on, you're just like, this guy means business. This guy's crazy. No, Everybody thank knows. you. 
straw hat either means you're making a Butch Cassidy reference or this guy's here to fight people. That's right. It's the only two things that could be possibly meant by a straw hat. Oh, what a badass. Fun fact, album cover for Asshole on Front Street, Bruce is wearing a straw hat. I didn't want to spoil it, Brian. Yeah. And guess what? It's not a Butch Cassidy reference. It's not at all. He wants to fight. Sure does. What's he fighting, you ask? His past. He's got a lot of hatred buried in there. Demons. And he's just been, I'm putting this out on Broadway as my last stand. Being a decent guy. (laughs) Those demons were born where? In the USA. On what street? Thunder Road, motherfuck. (laughs) Obviously. I went to Sony, and they said, you can't call this asshole on Front Street. You gotta call this song Thunder Road. And I went, you just wait 30 years for when I'm big hit on Broadway, just like that phantom fella. (laughs) And I'll show you, Sony Records, who may or may not have produced this, because I don't listen to a lot of Bruce Springsteen. What you don't know is that Front Street is adjacent to Thunder Road. (laughs) It's all one big old neighborhood called America. That's right. It's a Chevy and a Dodge, and they're touching. How's that make you feel? <laughs> they treat the town just like a UPS route and a NASCAR track. It's all left turns. One way only, baby. You better believe that Chevy knows that there's a Hemi in that Dodge. <laughs> just from the feel of it. And if you thought that reference was fantastic, I got four more. <laughs> Are we slowly morphing into Hulk Hogan? <laughs> it might be, brother. <laughs> Oh, yeah, and if you thought that... Nope, I went I went full macho, man. <laughs> oh, snap a oh. reference! <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I love just mm, putting on... No, I went Sling Blade. I can't, I can't keep anything <laughs> consistent. No, nothing's, nothing's working for me tonight. <laughs> That's all right. And also, mm. before anyone writes it, I know UPS turns right. But NASCAR doesn't. And NASCAR is America. That's why Dale Jarrett never raced the truck. And that's why no one gives a shit about Watkins Glen. (laughs) They've added so many road courses. They have. Anyway, we're getting way off track here. Uh, Off track. (laughs) (laughs) Whew. If anybody's wondering, Willem still can't see the schooner. No, he can't. It's wonderful. I love how he's just like perched up there. He's got his, his can of Coca-Cola. He's got his bagged lunch. He says, I'm going to look at this thing all day. And it looks like he hasn't showered in a week. And it's wonderful. <laughs> he's got and mustard so stains on his shirt. It's, it's wonderful. Ethan Supley and not Scott Mosier in this role because this role is iconic. You dumb bastard. It's not a schooner. It's a sailboat. A schooner is a sailboat, idiot. You know what? <laughs> there is no Easter Bunny. Over there, that's just a guy in a suit. It's fantastic. It's the best uh, way to tell a kid anything that iconic. is make-believe. Unless you'd kind of just wander into like a preschool and go, knock, knock, and everyone's like, who's there? And you're like, Santa's not real, and you just leave. <laughs> and you don't even wait for like the rest of the joke. Oh, my God. Because they're like, Santa's not real, who? Hello? Mr. Springsteen? <laughs> <laughs> He's actually being an asshole on Front Street. Front Street Nursery. Bruce went method, man, and not like the rapper. <laughs> you know what they say, Springsteen ain't nothing to fuck with. No, he's not. 
Ever since he did that whole Kramer thing on Broadway, presumably. That's how we got here. <laughs> right. He that's was seeing how, Red Man. That's how this bit And that's developed. how he ended up with this album. <laughs> <laughs> what theater is it? I can't tell. All the ticket says is America. <laughs> where? You know where. Front Street, America. <laughs> so while T.S. and Brody are discussing whether or not Lois Lane could carry Superman's baby... It's a great question, and I'm so happy they broached that question here. Yeah, phenomenal. And then also, what technically qualifies as part of the food court. It's a great argument, and I've had this argument before. I um, completely side with Brody on this one. Absolutely. If you side with Quint, you're a monster. It's true. There's a designated area for the food court. Exactly. Where the pretzel stand is, it's an autonomous storefront for mid-mall snacking. I couldn't have said it better myself. Simple as that. So while all that's happening, Jay and Silent Bob plan their attack. First, you take a run at LaFour's with a sock full of quarters. I do it, but I pulled my back out humping your mom last night. Nietzsche. Nietzsche. Okay, you clock him on the headpiece and knock his ass out cold. That's when phase two kicks in. I attack the structure, Wolvie Berserk style, and knock the fucking pin and bickety-bam, the motherfucker's rubble. Hence, no game show. Boom. It's a solid plan. I highly suggest pausing it and looking at the blueprint. It's amazing. It's fantastic. Also, show me Seth Green delivering that line. I dare you. I just, like, imagine Chris from Family Guy. (laughs) Oh, and then we're going to hit him in the head with the sock of quarters, I think. That's right. Uh, Biggity bam. (laughs) Snoochie boochies. That was almost a really good Morty. (laughs) Was it, though? (laughs) <laughs> it was closer to that than Chris from Family Guy, though that's I fair. don't know what mine sounds like either. I haven't watched Family Guy in a long time. Actually, that's the right answer all around right there, what you just said. <laughs> so they go through with their attack, but Silent Bob uh, gets tripped by a little kid and his toy truck. So their their first attempt fails. <laughs> it does, and I love LaForce here. He's just reading a magazine with a straw hat, just like, what was that? Okay. This wall is secure. I can read the news. (laughs) We cut back to Brody and T.S. who are going down this escalator. I like how T.S. is getting all serious with him again because he's a very whiny man. Very much so. But Brody's not listening. Of course not. He's distracted by this little kid who is sitting on the escalator. And he's wishing. I shouldn't say wishing. Wishing means you keep it to yourself. He is yelling at this mother (laughs) that she hopes that she has to witness a bloodbath. On this escalator because her kid gets, like, sucked in there and torn apart by the teeth or whatnot. Not a year goes by. A year that I don't hear about (laughs) some kid. Uh, Escalators are dangerous. You need to respect them and fear them. You do? It's what Mr. Otis would want. (laughs) Didn't Otis do the elevators? That's a good point. If anything, Otis would want the kid to die on an escalator. That's how you sell more elevators. That's true. But I have to imagine there's some sort of like rivalry there between like the elevator and escalator guy. Oh, I sure hope so. The only difference is we know the ev- elevator guy's name. That's a good point, too. But then you have to imagine like the escalator guy's just like, that motherfucker roll doll. <laughs> we gave him the option for Great Glass Escalator, and he said, that's nothing. <laughs> and he told us to fuck off. Whatever wacky town this takes place, it doesn't have the infrastructure for a glass escalator. <laughs> What is a glass escalator, anyway? How would it keep going up? 
It's just, it's off the tracks and it just keeps going. Oh, that's an elevator. Shit! Ah. God damn it. How do you make an escalator that goes side to side? Doesn't make any sense. At all. Sounds like a great amusement park ride. It does, but Mitch Hedberg's like, I can't use that as a joke in my short life. That's right. Elevators when they don't work. (laughs) Temporarily small square rooms. Ah, You nailed it. For boning in Mallrats 995. We'll get there. We will. Eventually, at this rate. (laughs) So when Brody and T.S. get to the bottom of this escalator, they run into Trisha Jones. It's played by Renee Humphrey. Trish the Dish, as Brody calls her. Nobody calls her that. That's right. She's a 15-year-old high school senior who got a book advance for her study into the male sex drive, and her research involves having sex with men over 18. Right. She calls it Borgasm. What a great title. It's perfect. She also videotapes all of this. Yes, she does. She has consent from everybody. It's kosher. It's fine. Is it? (laughs) maybe it's science i need to know what book company was like yeah this is a great idea give her money to do this (laughs) what publisher was so reckless it's like front street on asshole publishing i just said front street on asshole instead of asshole on front street front street on asshole is pretty much like looking at a map of detroit being like oh front street got it (laughs) all right oh that's good go listen to our robocop episode One of the people she slept with is Shannon Hamilton, the asshole manager of Fashionable Mail, played, of course, by Ben Affleck. Oh, you hesitated for the fucking there. Yeah. I saw your face, and you're just like, do I? It was uh, actually- Do I? It was meant to be a psych out. Like, is he going to give him the fucking- No, I'm not. All right, basketball rules. Home run from behind the meatballs. (laughs) First we get the jobs, then we get the ca- no khakis, then jobs. <laughs> go to Fashionable Mail, get the khakis, maybe there get the go. job. I don't know. He seems to be never working. He's always on break. I don't think I've ever seen him in Casual Mail. Fashionable, fashionable mail. mail. He is a very casual mail because uh, maybe he spends all his time. The in way casual he's mail dressed, instead. he's got like one of those weird like sweater shirts that has like five buttons down the front, but he also has like a suit jacket on. And pants. I understand yes. it's the 90s, but nobody dressed like that in the 90s ever. Hard <laughs> also, stop. the jacket is like three sizes too big. <laughs> it's like an opposite Chris Farley. Yeah. From Tommy was... Boy. <laughs> <laughs> Little boy in a really big coat. What? That's not as funny. That doesn't not, work. That doesn't work at funny. all. All right, Ben. We're uh <laughs> we're gonna do a fitting today for your for your costumes. Up, oh, stop! I'm gonna stop you right there. I'm gonna stop you right there. No, you're fucking not. <laughs> well, no, we are, but but you know what? Keep the football pads on. I don't know what role you're auditioning for, but keep the, <laughs> keep the pads on. We'll just measure around them. I'm not wearing hockey pads. <laughs> oh, that's a thing he says when he's Batman. That's no, the thing. That's oh, Christian Batman Bale. Says. <laughs> Christian Bale, different Batman. Either way, this suit is way too big. For this guy. Absolutely. It's wild. And we know that uh, Brody doesn't much care for this this Shannon fella. No, and Shannon does not care much for this Brody fella. Well, there you go. It's a mutual not caring for. Brody and CS go to the comic book store, the actual reason that Brody wanted to go to the mall in the first place. But there's a long line because of Stan Lee. He's there signing comics. And I love how Brody like freaks out. He's like, how did this get by me? I must be slipping in my old age. But what's more fantastic is the people who tell him that Stanley is siding. 
I should say they tell him Steve Dave. Tell him Steve Dave. Because it is Brian Johnson as Steve Dave. But even more importantly, it's Walt fucking Flanagan. Walt fucking Flanagan as the fanboy. Who pops up so often in all of these movies as just little inside jokes of like, man, that guy ran faster than Walt Flanagan's dog. (laughs) Like, what does that even mean? We don't know Walt Flanagan is. Walt Flanagan's the guy on the floor with the milk in Clerks. Yep. And if you watched Comic Book Men, he's Walt Flanagan. He's He's the owner of the secret stash. And Brian Johnson's just the big guy with the beard in Comic Book Men. Right. Who sits around not convinced he actually works there still. (laughs) To this day, he's just a guy that's there. And they have a podcast that's called Tell Him Steve Dave. Wonder where they got that name. Right, with Brian Quinn from Impractical Jokers. While all this is going down, Jay and Silent Bob are mounting their second attempt at destroying the stage, which involves Silent Bob swinging like Batman from the rafters of the mall. But he misses his target and smashes through a women's dressing room into Joey Lauren Adams. Right, who's trying on clothes and it's... A little jarring to see her after just watching Chasing Amy on Patreon two months ago. (laughs) It sure is. And we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. And now, of course, LaForge is on the hunt for them because they think Silent Bob is a peeping Tom. Well, he is. Not by choice. I get it. It wasn't by choice. Yeah. I mean, you get that label slapped on you no matter what. (laughs) I think generally the label comes with with intent. Does it, though? Because, I mean, all right, when you look at, like, Marty McFly's dad in the tree... Back to the Future. <laughs> That's a voluntary peeping Tom. Right. I get that. I, uh, yeah. But I feel like if you're at Silent Bob and you slam your face into that dressing room and you, you cop a look with those eyeballs. Yeah. And you react at all because that's all you do as a Silent Bob is Just react. React. Guilty. Well, I mean, to everybody in this situation other than Silent Bob, I say, yeah, you're 100% right. <laughs> He's just like, I just was trying to destroy a stage, and I missed my mark, and my head smashed through. Do you think I wanted to smash my head through this wall? You don't know. That's right. Nobody knows but but Silent Bob, and he's not talking. Well, here's a plan for you peeping toms. Kool-Aid man through that wall. <laughs> Take a look at the lady getting undressed and say, this isn't where I parked my car. Glory hole days. <laughs> God, it's so good. <laughs> They'll pass you by, glory hole days. <laughs> Don't look up in that young girl's eyes, glory hole days. <laughs> <laughs> and the funny part is, is you can make that joke because America. Because America. Because damn it, if I want to be an asshole on Front Street, I damn well can. I absolutely can. So Brody notices that Renee's being schmoozed by none other than the asshole from fashionable male, Shannon. And he hatches a plan with T.S. to intercept her so he can have a conversation with her in the elevator. I like it. It's just Brody, Renee, and Otis. And they're arguing- That's Mr. Otis to you. Oh, my bad. I didn't realize Otis was a surname. I just thought that was his name. Like Cher or Madonna. It's not your fault. He's had a very up and down career. Hey! Hey! <laughs> so Brody manages to get Renee in the elevator, and they argue until Renee attacks his libido, at which point Brody's got to defend himself, so they make the sex in Otis. It's weird when you say he has to defend himself because he very much goes on the attack, and he, it's just kind of like a lucky thing that it worked out. Defense and offense. The thing is, uh, in hockey, you gotta, you gotta play both. Exactly. Four check, back check, paycheck. <laughs> All right, yeah. 
I think that applies. No, I don't know it does. <laughs> it's not like he's going to go back home and give his balls a tug. That's true. I'm not doing that again. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> if it's any consolation, you got the line right that time. It was really hard getting it wrong on purpose that entire episode. Oh, I bet. Because I flubbed the first time. <laughs> and then you got to- ran with it. You got to commit. Because that's what Bruce would have done. It is what Bruce would have done. And it's what Brody refuses to do. <laughs> right. <laughs> so Renee tells him, eh, too little, too late. T.S. tries to reconcile with Brandy, who shows up at the mall to dress for the dating show. But before he can find her, he has a conversation with Mr. Spenning, Michael fucking Rooker. Right. I'm glad you didn't introduce him till now, because now he actually speaks instead of just showing his ass. Exactly. There's, you know, sometimes you get Rooker ass, and then sometimes you get Rooker face. And when he's in 1995, you say, what's the difference? <laughs> Apparently, he, like, dyed his hair gray for the role, and I'm like, nah, I'll look better bald. <laughs> Is this, like, the decision he made? I'm done. I'm done being a hair man. I guess. It was <laughs> 1995. He's like, you know what? No more hair for me ever again. 1995, what a year to lose that hair. I remember watching a Seinfeld episode one time where the guy was bald, and Elaine asked, are you doing that because you're bald or just because you like the look? And he said, I like the look. It's good for swimming. And then he tried to grow it back, and he got upset that he was bald. And I told my buddy Michael Rooker, and he's like, I'll show my ass instead because America. Because <laughs> America. And everyone went, Brucey, that doesn't make any sense. And I said, fuck you. <laughs> Mom, you can't stop me. I'm on fire. <laughs> Bruce, are you all right, buddy? Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> I'm on fire. Brucey, boy, why are you singing? Why are you tell me you're on fire? <laughs> you just watch Talladega Nights, the ballad of Ricky Bobby? Well, Mom, maybe you need to go down to the corner of Front Street and E Street and figure <laughs> out what's going on. And I'll tell you what's going on, Mom. You're the asshole. Is that the full revelation of the album? Is that mom was the asshole the whole time? I'm not an asshole on Front Street. I was just raised this way in America. You used to be my light, but it turns out I was blinded by the light. (laughs) And now there's just a a darkness on the edge of town. So why don't you fuck off, Rosalita? Jump a little (laughs) higher. I was blinded by the light, so I was automatically dancing in the dark. (laughs) (laughs) If you don't like my Jersey America attitude, you can just go right to the streets of Philadelphia. That's right. And you know what happens in Philadelphia? Oh, Santa Claus is coming to town. Officially tapped out on Bruce Springsteen's song. <laughs> I had to go to his Christmas stuff, so <laughs> how do you think I feel? Oh, that's so good. <laughs> Meet me tonight in Atlantic City. There, I think we got all of them. Uh, I'm sure we will pop up one like later on and be like, oh, that was another one. <laughs> <laughs> Where were we? <laughs> I don't know, but I love your birthday. Oh, Michael Rooker. Michael Rooker. That's right. Uh, Mr. Bald. He's, he's bald, <laughs> he's but he's not, bald. but he might be. He basically admits that he orchestrated uh, T.S. and Brandy's breakup, and he's super proud of it. Which is weird. It is really weird. It's a weird thing. He's just like, like yeah. I'm the mastermind behind the breakup. <laughs> I'm the one who made you kill that girl. <laughs> I know that you fucked my daughter, but I <laughs> got you in the end. 
So T.S. goes and talks to his ex. Gwen Turner. I guess. I don't know if she's at the mall. (laughs) Everyone is. It's Gwen Turner, played, of course, by Joey Lauren Adams, who's just trying on clothes in the middle of the store now because there's a guy out trying to see her, her bits. And she's like, might as well just do it right here. Saves time. I get it. Interesting thing about Gwen Turner. That's a name we've heard before. Sure is. In Chasing Amy, where Alyssa says she had sex with Gwen Turner in the back of a car. Joey Lauren Adams fucked herself. Yep. (laughs) That's all it is. Just wanted to bring attention to that for reasons. It's fantastic. Gwen comforts T.S. by telling him that Brandy's only doing a favor for her father. She doesn't really mean anything by it. Meanwhile, Brody likens his relationship with Renee to spooning, but not knowing what to do with his other arm. And I get it. It's the yeah. most relatable thing in this movie. Absolutely it is. So much so that the, the clerk at the store runs off crying. She's like, I know what he means. Right. And we have to imagine that Kevin Smith took the time to go like, you're a clerk. That means you're like the Hermes of this movie. You're the messenger. Yeah. And she's like, I'm not even supposed to be here today. <laughs> You got to react to this. You're the one who's got to send that message to the audience of, yeah, we can all relate because his acting's sure not going to get it across. <laughs> <laughs> because Jason Lee had no prior acting experience. No, he's he was a, a skateboarder. professional skateboarder. I read a story where that when they told him he got the role, he was eating a sandwich and he just went, oh, cool, and kept eating the sandwich. That's the most Jason Lee shit ever, man. Of course it is. Shannon grabs Brody. It brings it to the back rooms of the mall, you know, the, the back corridors. The, the weird hallway. Yeah, and he just starts beating him up. He's like, I don't like you. You spend too much time at the mall where I work. Ah, punches. I mean, he's, he's hitting him pretty good, and he takes off his jacket, and it turns out that the weird sweater shirt that he has underneath it with the buttons, is it's a short sleeve shirt. And you go, no. Oh, didn't nope. see that coming. That's the big twist of the movie. The gap was a fucked up place in the 90s <laughs> it's, it's like a polo without collars and <laughs> and just short sleeves for i think they call it a henley is that what the term is it might be because i'm like imagine like this is like the 90s version of like dogs without horses everyone's just running wild <laughs> yeah it's a henley not to be confused with don henley who's of course part of the eagles and also has this featured on one track <laughs> On Bruce Springsteen's Asshole on Front Street. Of course he is. Because, I don't know, genres. (laughs) You ever watch any of those, like, making the band things? Yeah. MTV or or VH1, whatever it might have been. Whatever channel isn't doing what it's supposed to be doing anymore. (laughs) One of those. (laughs) Did you ever watch the one about Bruce Springsteen? Where him and Don Henley get together? No. For Asshole on Front Street? Oh. How he's like, Donnie boy. You eagle, you America, you flying America. Flying America. What song do you want to do with me, the boss? Don Henry's like, you know what? I just got (laughs) done with lunch. I just ate a heart. I was really hungry for that heart. So that's hungry heart. Wow, that rhymes. Um, Let's (laughs) let's do that. Let's do that. I already have a song called Hungry Heart. You know what, Donnie? It's a fucking miracle you got into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with the Eagle. So the Flying Americas, sorry. Because that shit don't rhyme. Hungry but and I like hard. it because that's your freedom because America. Hey, if you want to believe that the words hungry and heart rhyme, that's your God-given right. That's right. Especially here on Front Street. And I'll see you at Pocono on Sunday 
Race day. <laughs> America's day. God said it's for rest. I said it's for lefts. <laughs> Why haven't they used that? That's so right up the NASCAR demographics alley. <laughs> oh, that rhymes. That's beautiful. <laughs> I'm going to pop open a can of America. Watch that. <laughs> oh, shit. Did they just say that Sunday is the day of lefts? This and- is Gerald Bush. <laughs> Somebody called a can of beer America, and I have an idea. <laughs> I've watched far too much NASCAR to be getting this kind of enjoyment out of these jokes. <laughs> I should feel targeted. Oops. And I don't. Well, I'm very glad to hear that. We never did find out what that collab was with Don Henley, but... We, we never will either. Yeah, no, it's... it's I have a- to imagine it worked out really well. And I have to imagine Don Henley's like, you got to shake it before you bake it. And they high-fived and right. then they went on. Right. Because they were all hopped up on Mountain Dew. And that was the end of the of Innocence. <laughs> of course it was. <laughs> Don Henley joke. Got one in. I'm so <laughs> proud of you. <laughs> so Ben Affleck is still beating up Jason Lee. <laughs> still. This whole time. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I like to pick up girls in the rebound because they're more open to suggestion. Which he uses to have sex with them in a place that's very uncomfortable. Like the back of a Volkswagen. Of course. Gwen, because she's in this movie still, she goes and finds Brandy backstage at the, at the dating show. And she's like, hey, that TS guy that you broke up with earlier today, he's a good guy. Who I broke Her. up with earlier than that. Right. All right, bye. That's my time in this movie. <laughs> I got peeping tommed, and then I said a thing in a store, and now I'm saying this to you, and I'm done. Bye. They changed my last name from Day Player to Turner, so that was lucky. <laughs> yeah, as long as the director got to meet me, and then we could start dating. <laughs> you know, whatever works. And he respected me so much, he made me a lesbian next time. <laughs> next time, I like. He made me a past tense. Next time, I love it. It's great. He more or less told me to go fuck myself in <laughs> an did. elongated art house flick. Brody suggests that that he and T.S. hit Svenning with the old stink palm. It's so gross. (laughs) If you're not familiar with the stink palm, Jason Lee uh, perfectly demonstrates by sticking his hand down the back of his pants, just making sure he gets his hand all nice and stinky. You know, he's been walking around all day sweating. That smell doesn't come out. He's got some duck butter built up in there, oh. and he's just really trying to spread it, trying to smear that duck butter on oh, other God. people. Oh, God. That is, it's my birthday, Dave. Come on. I had a buddy in Jersey who called that shit duck butter. That's gross. I didn't shower for a couple of days, and I Ew. said, why don't you shower for a couple of days? He said, I was drunk, and I went, that's good enough. Remember when that was all you needed for an excuse? <laughs> he's a cop now, and he used to go around wearing a tank top that said, pause. But it had a cat coming up instead of a shark. It was a wonderful tank top. I like that tank top. I think you might have salvaged the story with the tank top. So T.S. goes and talks to Svenning because Scott Mosier was like, hey, Svenning man, wants man to talk Svenning. to you. Not girl Svenning. Right, Svenning. right. Mr. Svenning. Dad Svenning. I feel like most of the time when we talk about Brandy, we call her Brandy. I mean, it's the 90s. That could get confusing with a Brandy. People say Brandy. You're a fine girl. What a good wife. you! <laughs> not Springsteen or Henley. It's true. Svenning basically tells T.S. that he's never going to be with Brandy. And then Brody. It's just mean. Like, he's grabbing his mean. head. Yeah. And he's like, you suck hard. And he's like, 
wrangling Jeez, mall security while he's strangling this guy, and some somehow he's still like, oh no, he's good. And then somewhere, Kevin James is watching this movie, going, "I have a good idea." <laughs> and everyone went, "Fuck!" I'm gonna blart all over this movie. Uh, why? Why do we let him watch this movie? And people are gonna confuse him and Kevin Smith for forever now. This is really annoying. The Kevins in their mall movies, you know? What can you do? Brody comes over, and he starts shaking Svenning's hand. And as we know, he's already done the thing with the, the hand in the, the pants. And they're apparently neighbors. Yeah, they're neighbors. That's something that they explore more in the extended cut. I've watched the extended cut. I did not watch it this time. I also did not watch it this time. But I'm very familiar with the extended cut. And then Brody offers Svenning a chocolate-covered pretzel. And this is a weird thing to say. Like, I, I have neighbors. I have two of them. I've talked to them. I hang out with them. Yeah. I don't know if either one is like a pretzel aficionado. But here you have Brody going like, I hear you like your pretzels. Which is just a weird thing to say to anybody ever. I don't know. Depends on how much he really likes pretzels. Like, that's his thing? Like, maybe he's just the pretzel guy who's also like, he works in TV sometimes. It's very niche if that's the case. It's super niche. But what I'm thinking here is like, Kevin Smith's just sitting there, just writing this thing, going, I don't have the fucking neighbor like pretzels or something. <laughs> I just choked on fucking beer. <laughs> if you're going to make fake bong noises, you should use something not carbonated. That was a stupid move. <laughs> oh, you could do the same thing with water? I had no idea. Oh, oh man. <laughs> you know what you could use right now? Pretzel. These pretzels are making me thirsty. <laughs> if you want to keep it with the Kramer, how it all started. Oh, boy. And I saw him meeting those twisty breads with the salt all over them. And I said, Woody Allen, don't touch that kid, but cast me in this movie instead. <laughs> I applaud you, sir. That was That was good. I'm happy I'm no longer choking on beer. We're good now. Hey, and at least rhymed, <laughs> you know? I nailed it. It wasn't like, like hungry and hard. Don Henley. Don Henley doesn't know how to rhyme. Fucking idiot. Uh, so Brody basically sticks one of these pretzels into Svenning's hand, just rubs the chocolate all over his hand with his, with his stink palm. And, and then, of course, you get the close-up of Michael Rooker eating the pretzel. Sucking those fingers. Licking his hand. Just, oh, yeah. If anyone says these pretzels are a little melty and they're rubbing into my palm, I'm going, <laughs> you're an asshole. Yeah, don't do that, man. I got a TV show to run over here, I as think. As much as I love pretzels, like any other man on Earth. But they're not your thing. Don't rub it into my hand. Don't rub. Oh, come on. Look, I like pretzels as much as the next guy, but... <laughs> You can't get mad at me, Mr. Svenning. Uh, America. It's, it's America. What? I got these pretzels what? straight from the boardwalk. <laughs> where I was playing skee-ball and stuff. No, we're not talking about Dogma. Stop it. Oh, right, right, right. Dogma. Oh, Springsteen would be much more at home in Dogma. Oh, he would love Dogma so much. <laughs> but basically, this whole thing has been Svenning setting up to get T.S. and Brody escorted out of the mall. And he steals the pretzels. And he steals the pretzels. Dick move. It's, it's not nice, but he is the pretzel guy, I mean. Should have seen it coming. Jay and Silent Bob are harassing Willem, who still hasn't seen the sailboat. Dave, I have an actual IMDb trivia fact for you. I bet you do. The stereoscopic poster is not a schooner. What is it? That was the whole fact. 
What, what is it? No, you can't stop that there. That was the whole fact. I feel like I'm going to go into like a weird Willem obsessive thing. I'm like, I got to pause this and then try to see the weird magic eye of this thing. Oh, no. That would be terrible and not at all my intent. Guys, this is the last episode of Kate Podcasters. I'm going <laughs> to dedicate my life to this. Figure <laughs> out what the hell was on that poster. No, apparently it's just a bunch of geometric shapes, like an X and a, and a circle and a square and a bunch of lines. That's so boring. It's super boring and uh, 100% not a sailboat. Oh, well. Renee runs over and she tells them about T.S. and Brody getting arrested. And of course, Willem's like, Brenda? And it's my favorite line of the movie. <laughs> it's so like good. Goes, Fuck you. <laughs> Dick. <laughs> it's amazing. You're like, what history was there? Uh, so good. This guy did stuff at some point? I want to see that movie. <laughs> uh, I just love that he gives her the 90210 name. It's very good. Jay and Silent Bob set out to rescue T.S. and Brody by knocking out the mall cops. Of course. And when the cops come to, they chase Jay and Silent Bob, who escape thanks to Silent Bob's grappling gun from his utility belt. Naturally. Where do you get all those wonderful toys? Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Brody suggests to avoid further pursuit that they hide out at the nearby flea market. And while they're there, they seek the advice of the topless psychic Ivana, played by Priscilla Barnes. She's very good in this. She's super good in this. Her advice to T.S. is that he shouldn't give up on trying to reconcile with Brandy, despite what her father thinks. She is, of course, topless. She is the topless psychic. Of course. She's got three nipples. Yeah, it's pretty distracting, isn't it? Super distracting for Brody, not so much for T.S., no, he doesn't even care. He doesn't even notice it. T.S. Which is, is just amazing. baffled by the actual, like, sage advice that she's giving. Understanding is only reached through confrontation. Which, is that good advice? I don't know. I don't know either. But he's, like, digging through his wallet to give her more money, too. Yeah. And Brody's sitting there just grossed out by his third nipple. <laughs> it's a scene that happens in the movie. It sure does in this dirt mall. In <laughs> the dirt mall. And I would much prefer to go to this dirt mall. I think there's a story to be told there. Flea market rats. They're actual rats. They're actual rats. It's a lot like Ratatouille, but they're not really cooking. They're just getting real good deals. I would watch that movie. It'd be kind of a lot like if you have like a Pawn Star Storage Wars Ratatouille crossover. Directed by and written by Kevin Smith. Without a doubt. Yeah, I'm in. So, I mean, occasionally the rat's going to go... You know, sometimes you go ask to mouth, and you're like, Pan Oswalt rat, don't talk like that. <laughs> so T.S. and Brody go back to the mall. The good mall. The, the proper mall. The proper mall. The, the proper mall, it's not in New Jersey. It's Eden Prairie Mall, Minnesota. Exactly. Due to budgetary reasons. <laughs> the proper mall. The real mall. With all these Jersey license plates outside. That were paper that they put on other people's cars, and then they drove off with fake Jersey license plates and got in trouble. Yep. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Apparently, Fargo was was shooting at the exact same time, which was right down the road. Two very different movies. Very, very different. Also, unfortunately, the Eden Prairie Mall went under severe renovations in 2003 and now no longer looks anything like this movie. So you can't even visit and be like, oh, yeah, that's where Brody stink pumped Svenning. Can't do that. Oops. Because no. the mall looks different. What are you going to do? Malls, the times they are a change. Malls change. There's probably fewer retail units there now because malls are dying. I have to imagine. If you go by the mall by me, I'd be like, Kevin Smith, go shoot here. No one's there and there are no stores. So have a ball. <laughs> That's kind of why they chose this mall, because they could just make their own stores everywhere. 
T.S. reconnects with Jay and Silent Bob to enact his new scheme. Because now T.S. is the one scheming instead of Brody. So this one might actually work out. <laughs> Maybe. Stay tuned. Find out. <laughs> and while that's happening, Brody is meeting Stan Lee. The actual Played Stan by Lee. Stan Lee. And I have to imagine that Stan Lee loved this because this is in the 90s when he's going through his kind of post-Marvel turmoil. Yeah. And he just kind of wants to get jerked off just a little bit by his fans. <laughs> Tell me how is great like the I am. Ideal way to do it. Excelsior and whatnot. Oh, how can I stick it to Jack Kirby just a little bit more? Can I talk about all the things I invented in the movie? Perfect. <laughs> Nailed it. I love it. I'm in. Behind the scenes of the dating show, Jay subdues the two game show contestants with a fatty boom batty blunt. And I like how these guys are just laying face down in a pile of snacks. Back at Brody, he's asking Stan about all the different superheroes' junk because that's that's just where Brody's head is at all the time. <laughs> of course. But Stan would rather talk about couples and love. So he asks Brody, what's your relationship status? Brody's like, well, I just got dumped. And then Stan goes on to confess his own story about the one who got away. And it turns out that this whole emotional story that finally makes Brody see the light, it was just T.S. being like, hey, Stan, go, go talk to my friend. Say all this stuff. Which is wild, because this is a real Stan Lee, but it's also a fictional Stan Lee. Stan Lee had a very good marriage. Yeah. Sort of. Sort of. Depends who you ask, but he was married from 1947 onward, yeah, he, and it wasn't like he was slaying. He definitely wasn't banging more than Mick Jagger. No, he was definitely Like he not. claims in this movie. Right. So Stan Lee probably watches, watched, so I got to do the past tense because of the deadness. Right, right. But, man- he could be like a ghost of Tom Jode here, and could use his ghost hand to jerk off his ghost wiener. He could have done due that. Due to Mallrats still being a thing. Because of all the, the- Everyone's saying how great he is. Ghostness of all of it. He apparently didn't want to play himself in the film at first, because the dialogue, he's like, that's not something I would actually say. And then Kevin Smith was like, no, it's pretend, Stan. And he's like, okay, spider friend. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how they got him to do the movie. Now, I know I said that Stan Lee wanted to figure out a way to stick it to Jack Kirby even more. Yeah. This is new to me, just Googling Stan Lee to find out that he had this healthy relationship since 1947 because I wanted the date. He got inducted into the Jack Kirby Hall of Fame in 1995 as well. Oh, no. What a year. He's just going there like, fuck you, Jack. Fuck you, Jack. Rough year to be Jack Kirby. Well, 1995 is probably the roughest year to be Jack Kirby considering he died in 1994. Yeah, that's, you know. So realistically, this is Stan Lee doing a dance on his grave. <laughs> oh, Jack's gone. Can I get admitted into his Hall of Fame and then also do a movie where I talk about all the things we created together but take full credit for them? Hello, Bruce Excelsior. This is Stan Lee. I got a song for you. And then the comic book man did a dance on the grave <laughs> of the man he ripped off for all the decades. The title of that song is Kirby Dots. Of course it is. Featuring Don Henley. That's the one, by the way. I don't well, know. That's, of course it is the one. <laughs> we all know. We just don't say it, Brian. We're not trying to show off. Uh, right. We're not trying to be Stan Lee's. <laughs> this Stan get snapped? Does this Stan get snapped? Uh, yeah, I think. <laughs> no. No, I like that this Stan is. Not that so much that he's dancing on the grave of Jack Kirby, but I like that he has this optimistic outlook of love. Maybe. We don't really know because T.S. hired him to say all those things. 
I want to like split the difference with this one. Oh, he gets half snapped. Yeah, I kind of want to treat it like a Marty McFly on stage singing, watching his photo disappear. Yeah, and Chad Kirby's cousin is like, because he's clearly <laughs> trying to change history here by doing this movie. Oh boy! So he's just like not able to write or draw because he didn't do that in the originally anyway. But uh, he's just sort of disappearing. Yeah, because he's starting to start like the POW entertainment <laughs> company or whatever that bullshit was <laughs> that kind of left financial trouble because, oh boy, you should all read into Stanley a little more. Your eyes will be opened. See through the bullshit. I like the Marty McFly half snapping. Hello, Brian. Brian, Brian, it's your cousin, Frank Bendis. You're looking for that <laughs> new that new look? <laughs> a new story structure? I got something for you right here. Oh, hello, this is Edmund Shyamalan. Did somebody say happening? No? Still? Okay. I'll go over here. I'll All wait right. till the third act. And really twist it on you. Ooh, twisty. To the snapping. Do you think anybody got half snapped? I mean, just like <laughs> five years later, they got their lower half back. It turns out there's an odd number of people on Earth. <laughs> Thanos was just like, we'll have that one. I don't give a shit. It turns out that Dewey Cox's younger brother <laughs> is the one who got half snapped. I got ha- I got snapped and half real bad, Dewey. It was a real bad case of getting half snapped. Give it to a straight doc. I hate And then five years later, he's just a Jonah he's Hill. A- I got snapped and half real bad. That's something I didn't know I needed, but I need it desperately now. Oh, wow. Brody immediately goes to Trish and asks her for the video of her and Shannon and asks Silent Bob to hook something up for him because he's, you know, like the MacGyver. Sure. That they said earlier in the movie. Mr. Spenning has fallen extremely ill because of the stink-pumped pretzels. Due to the ass in the mouth. Yeah, yeah. You never go ass to mouth. Sometimes you do. This is not the case. This is not the case here. Uh, with him out of commission, Brody and T.S. easily take the place of the two contestants that Jay smoked out earlier. So the game show starts. T.S., Brody, and a third contestant, Gil Hicks. It's Brian O'Fucking Halloran. Goddamn right it is from Clark. And I love that his last name is Hicks. He's playing Dante's cousin. Which is wild it's to me. Nuts. It is so smart the way Kevin Smith writes this universe. It really is. And the crazier part about it is this movie does come out a year after Clerks happens. Because Clerks was a phenomenon. Right. It went to Sundance. It cleaned up. It really is one of the first true like indie darlings yes. of Sundance. That's exactly what I would call it. Chronologically, this movie takes place one day before Clerks. How great is that? It is absolutely incredible because... In Clerks, you do hear about the YMCA pool incident that happened that morning, the the day before. But I think that is just such beautiful universe building there where you're able to tie in other names of like Rick Darris, fucking Gwen Turner on the pool table. Like (laughs) it's all these little things that just tie together. Yeah. And he very smartly does it by doing it the day before. It's clever. I love it. It's a great connecting thread. It's like a template he built for Kevin Feige. (laughs) In a way. So these three are obviously competing for a date with Brandy, or a vacation, a vacation with Brandy, to Florida. How convenient. Hey, how about that? 
Brandy asks them several pointed questions about their dating style and easily figures out that T.S. and Brody are behind the wall that hides them from her. I mean, nobody sounds like T.S. and nobody sounds like Brody. Nobody sounds like Brody. She should have figured this out so much earlier. So much, especially if she's been dating T.S. for as long as, as they claim, which I don't know that they ever claim how long it's been. It's just off and on. Yep. For a long time. I feel like you'd recognize his voice by then, especially in the mid-90s when you probably talk on the phone. Without a doubt you do. T.S. is finally able to confront Brandy, like the topless psychic told him to. And even though nothing at all is resolved, T.S. proposes. And for some reason, Brandy accepts. It's going to be another off and on for life. (laughs) That's what it seems like. While all of this is happening, Trish delivers the videotape to Jay, who throws it up to Silent Bob, But Silent Bob doesn't catch it, and he has to use the Force to try to retrieve it. Silent Bob has a little bit of a runner where he watched Empire and and, and Jedi, and he's trying to figure out how to use the Force with a cigarette. It's not going great. He's not doing it because, you know, reality is a thing. That's right. Stanley is leaving the mall, and he sees the sailboat, and that sends Willem on a rage-fueled tirade. He starts tearing through the mall, eventually making his way to the stage. Right, I like how he's yelling the entire time, this motherfucker who didn't have any original vision, who just kept taking and taking and claiming he created Captain America, even though he was just an intern in that office, he saw the goddamn sailboat. (laughs) It's the Stanley hot take hour. (laughs) Ah. I clearly have some demons with Stan Lee. Yeah, you don't you don't much care for him, do you? I don't. It's why I snap him more often than not. Yeah, I've noticed. Sometimes you half snap him just to make him suffer. I have to, man. Someone has to. There can't always be an even amount of people on Earth. <laughs> it's just not the way numbers work. There's a 50% chance it's odd. There is, but I got to imagine, like, Jack Kirby's kid, whoever it might be in this bit. Mike Kirby. Good old Mike Kirby sitting there as a doctor, and he's like, Thanos is doing what? Hold on, woman who's giving birth, and he starts pushing the head back in like, (laughs) gotta keep it on! Gotta keep it on! Just so there's a chance Stan gets half-snapped. Good for him. (laughs) He's doing his dad's work. Doing his dad's work. His dad sat there and drunk, and he sat there pushing babies back (laughs) in just to give his dad a chance of getting a half-snap on Stan. (laughs) Like he deserves, according to Dave. (laughs) <laughs> and maybe Bruce Springsteen. Uh, Bruce Springsteen absolutely wants him to get a half snap. He's a terrible person in this joke that's been running for this whole episode. But it's a character for the albums. It's not really Bruce. It's true. It's a very method album. The game show's wrapping up, but Brody steals the microphone from the game show host, and he calls out to Renee in the audience, telling her that he loves her. And then Shannon has had enough, and he starts charging the stage. Right, doing public assault yep. on Brody. While the cops are like gathering around, because obviously when Rooker saw these two on the stage, he called them, or had, had Scott Mosier call the police. Willem slams the side of the stage, which somehow jostles free this VHS tape, which then goes the opposite way of gravity, and Silent Bob catches it. <laughs> right? So, you know, <laughs> who's the real Jedi here? Is it Willem? I think it's Willem. It might be Willem. He plays Trisha's tape of Shannon having sex with her. And then Brody's like, hey, she's 15. And the cops immediately turn on Shannon. They absolutely do. And I can't decide if they turn on Shannon because the girl's 15 or she's just so unimpressed at 15 of what he's doing. He's (laughs) Uh like, 
call me whatever names. I don't remember the names. Uh, he was saying to call him. Donnie. They're, what is that even? Oh, he was like, "Who's your favorite new kid?" Oh my god, that is dated. Yeah, it's, well, it was dated even then. So, and that's a Wahlberg too. Yeah, that's wild. Ben Affleck, you know, <laughs> he likes to have sex in uncomfortable positions in the back of a Wahlburgers. Yeah. <laughs> And he likes to talk about the new kids in the block while he does it. Who doesn't? That's really? that's true. Think about it. I mean, that's just classic dirty talk right there. I don't know as many new kids songs as I do Springsteen songs. Any, because the first thing that went to my head was new kids on the block. Yep. Wearing Abercrombie and Fitch. That's exactly I'm right. I'm going like, that's not new kids on the block. It's not. Chinese food makes me sick. Because yeah. P.F. Chang is... <laughs> Doing weird stuff in the food court. Exactly. The Burger King and the Dairy Queen need to get their shit on Right. Lockdown. They need to get a hold of this food court. Got to control the food court. Or else Nathan's just going to run away with like 4th of July. He's going to get to Kobayashi. Oh, that's un American. Get him in. Name what roast on that open fire? <laughs> Chestnuts. Yes. Name him Joey. That's an American name Love it. that I just thought of. Now, Joey Chestnuts roasting. On a barbecue, <laughs> eating them hot dogs all the day. Have him slurp down those delicious dogs for freedom. See how many he can eat at once. Because <laughs> it's Independence Day. And the hot dog eaters on Coney Island were stuffing. Not you, Kobayashi. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> it's America. Stop it. Get that out of your mouth, Kobayashi. Stop it! <laughs> oh, Springsteen, man. <laughs> He's going through some shit, man. Obviously. <laughs> this album. Speaking of hot dogs, Brody invites Renee to dinner at his house so she can meet his mom. And the two of them are like, oh, we're good now because of the hot dogs. Do you really think they're having hot dogs at this dinner? <laughs> Maybe. I don't have a lot of faith in Brody's cooking abilities. Yeah, come on over. I was going to throw some some dogs on the grill. Tell her don't bother. Just put it in some boiled water. Get some dirty water dogs. I want to feel like I'm in New York. This is Kevin Smith cut! Fuck you! <laughs> you crossed that bridge. You get the fuck out of this movie. This is a bridge and tunnel movie. Bridge and tunnel from Minnesota? <laughs> That's a good point. Ah, you betcha. <laughs> oh. You want one of those hot dogs, huh? Yeah, you betcha. Taking the tunnel up to Canada. We sure do love our Vikings around here. You betcha. We got Sven Thorsen in this movie. Just to show we're in Minnesota. You betcha. You betcha. Oh, for crying in the mud. <laughs> that's Irish. <laughs> no, that's Bobby. That's Bobby's world. Is it? That's the mom from Bobby's world. Don't you know? I can't believe you're going to Howie Mandel this episode. Yeah, well, sometimes things got to get cleaned up a little bit. That's very fair. You were talking about dirty dog water. I had to bring some Howie Mandel into this to clean it up. Clean it up. Yeah, you know who's not getting stink pumped? Howie Mandel. Never, ever, ever. Not in a million years. The back of his jackets, though, smell like shit. <laughs> All the people putting their hands on the back instead of shaking their hands. Yeah. They're like, oh, hey, bud. Tap, tap, tap. And he's just like, God damn it. I can never wear this jacket again. There's just like a whole burn of palm prints just on the back from the, the dirty hands. 
touching yeah. him. It's like those statues that are like all weathered and aged, except for one spot where people rub it for luck. So it's still like pristine. Like a Marty Stone type scenario. <laughs> yeah. So you still have that gold spot on the Buddha belly, but the rest of it's like worn with age. I have to imagine like Howie Mandel treats his clothing a lot like a, a town pool treats their chlorine poop like water. <laughs> How if like a kid pees in it, it goes a certain color. And it's like that kid sucks. Like get him out for life, <laughs> and he needs forever to be bullied because he's pissing in public pools. We don't stand for that here in America. Not, at least not in Howie Mandel's America. But Howie Mandel's like you did. Like you tap his arm and he sees it like glow up purple or whatever. And it's not a Black Panther thing at all. It's a germ thing. <laughs> Howie Mandel's America, by the way, is the follow up album to Asshole on Front Street. I have to imagine like Howie Mandel's first album was Asshole on Front Street about America because he's Canadian. <laughs> no, no, I meant Bruce Springsteen's follow up album to Asshole on Front Street is called <laughs> Howie Mandel's America. Oh, that's beautiful. Because he's got to clean it up. Who's got talent, Howie? Tell me. Who's got talent? America's got talent. Oh. You Canadian bastard, eh? Got him. Man, it's just like Nailed a, him. a William Shatner spoken word album. I'm just bashing Howie. Everyone's like, Bruce, what happened wow. to you, man? What did Howie Mandel do to you? He's like, wow. Bobby's World wasn't that good of a show. And to I, that, I say, how dare you, sir? I get the high-pitched voice was a bit much, but Bruce, you gotta calm down. His last name was Generic, and they always called him Generic, and that's hilarious. Some people just don't get humor. It's generic. <laughs> Captain Squash? Sign me up. Yes, please. So the TV executives tell Svenning that they're unimpressed with this show because it's derivative and dull. But Brody is the only thing that saved it. So they offer him a hosting gig for his own talk show. And then we hit the montage, that closing montage to see how everything wrapped up for everybody. Brody? Is hosting the Tonight Show, of course. <laughs> of course he is. And Renee is his, his drummer. Which we didn't know she played drums. We didn't because we don't know a lot about her in this movie. Nope, but also she's standing while playing drums. That's right. That makes me uncomfortable. She's, she's leading the band by doing the standing drums because they were like, oh, she's our, our lead actress. We should give her more character, maybe. Oh, the movie's over? Okay. She stands while she drums. <laughs> What a get to get Shannon Doherty in the mid-90s. Oh, man. Brandy and T.S. end up getting married when Jaws pops out of the water. Of course. Trisha's book becomes a bestseller, of course. Yeah, but then you got LaForce there who's guarding her, but also gives her a kiss on the head. He sure does. And it makes me real uncomfortable every single time. It's super uncomfortable, but it's better than the extended cut where that's how they distract LaForce <laughs> during the whole mall raid thing. Also true. Shannon is in prison, uh, getting it in a place that's very uncomfortable. His butt. Yeah, yeah. I thought you were going to say the butt. Volkswagen thing, but you're right. It's his butt. It's his butt. Yeah. They say that Willem finally sees the sailboat, and, and he goes, yeah? It's <laughs> such a good reaction. It's so good. He's the only one who can read the, the captions. So once again, I, I say, Jedi? It's a great fourth wall break. And then Jay and Silent Bob set out on their own adventure with an orangutan, but that's a story for another time. Orangutan named Suzanne, and maybe we'll get there. Possibly. When they strike back, who knows? I mean, everybody knows. Jay and Silent Bob's be striking. Back. Back. But that is Mall Rats from 1995, directed by the Kevin fucking Smith. Absolutely. This is not his best movie, but to me, it is. Exactly. This is, among his bottom movies, probably on paper, 
but in my heart, it's it's up near the top. It is my top. This is my gateway, Kevin Smith. Oh, same. Absolutely. I saw Clerks after this, and I was like, I think that wasn't most as people good, did. But now I actually appreciate Clerks a hell of a lot more. But Mallrats still is just such a special place to me in my heart. Yeah. And being from Jersey, being a mall rat who just hung out at the mall on like weekends and whatnot, like Listless. this thing hits me so perfectly, man. Yeah. This is uh, nostalgia laden. It really, really is. And this thing is a cult classic at this point. Because Certifiably. It made no money. It was an $8 million budget. It made barely over $2 million. That is a big bomb. So some people would say, Kevin, we cannot let you make another movie ever again. Ever. But I'm happy that Kevin Smith kind of has a weird career of, I did the movie for me. I made this on my own, Clerks. I did the studio film at Universal. They gave me too much money. I didn't have a chance to really be creative because I had all this freedom. Right. And he had all this freedom and all this money. And then he went his own way again and did Chasing Amy. And it's a critical darling yet again. Yeah. And it kind of bought him that time to get controversial. (laughs) And that's where we get dogma. Absolutely. He has such an interesting career. And I have always said he's a personal hero of mine because not even that he's from Jersey, that he's a filmmaker from Jersey, that he really captures the essence of what it is to be from Jersey and in the 90s. But he's so big on if you want to see something or you want to hear something, you want to create something, make it yourself. Don't wait for somebody else to do it. Get out there, figure out how to make the thing and and do it for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. He is one of the biggest inspirations why this show even exists. The Cape Podcast itself even exists. We wanted a show about superheroes, people talking about superhero movies, comic movies. And every single time in the back of my head, I go, Kevin Smith said, just go do it yourself. If it doesn't exist, go make it. And I think that is just so perfect. It really is. And I'm so happy he didn't die. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been a big bummer. And we wouldn't have gotten Jay and Silent Bob reboot, which is just Which is so good. good. It's a love letter to fans. It's so good. And Clerks 3 is now wrapped. So that's yeah. coming out sooner rather than later. And we should mention Twilight of the Mallrats is in pre-production. Well, Mallrats itself, the sequel to Mallrats has been its own weird life. Oh, yeah. Because there's been a Mall Brats. And then that died. Right. And There's then it was a TV a, a show. Series, yeah. And that died. And now you have the Twilight of the Mall Rats. So who knows where that's going to go? I just love Kevin Smith, the human being. He so is damn much. phenomenal. He stands for all things that are nerd. He defends people who are complete nerds. He defends people who are just creative in general. Yeah. There's like not a bad bone in the dude's body. As far as we can tell. A bad heart. Sure. Yeah, it's not a bone, so it still it counts. But it's not even like it's like a malicious heart. It's just clogged up yeah. from being, you know, fat. <laughs> It'll happen. For life. And then he lost all that weight, which was good for him. I mean, he got his life turned around. He understands where his priorities are. And, uh, like, everything that he stands for, I just absolutely love. Yeah. Yeah, he's a good dude. And, Personal hero. And I'm happy to finally get him out on the main channel. We might have to do more. We might have to do more. We might have to keep splitting it between Patreon and the main main channel. We'll see how it all plays out. So I'm glad we agree that he's kind of both a hero to us. Absolutely. But on that note, let me ask you this. Rotten Tomatoes, 1-100. What do you think? 40. 57! Nice! Audience score, though, is 82. As it should and be. And that fully checks out. Yeah. Roger Ebert did see this. Oh, no. <laughs> he gave it 1.5 out of 4. Better than I thought. Yep. 
He said, I don't have any idea what went on during the preparation of Mallrats, <laughs> Kevin Smith's new film, but that won't stop me from speculating. Smith is the young filmmaker who made Clerks, the story of a long, strange day in a convenience store for $25,000. Now with a budget at least 100 times as large, <laughs> he has moved upscale from a shopping strip to a real mall for a glossier examination of some of the same material. There wasn't a plot, just slowly developing themes such as the return of old girlfriends and the problems of weird customers. We sensed that this was close to life. Smith, like Quentin Tarantino, once clerked in a video store. And it was funny the way the character seized on every small development as a break in the wall of inactivity. <laughs> the year that Clerks played at the Cannes Film Festival, I was the chairman of a panel discussion of independent filmmakers. Oh, wow. Most of them talked about their battles to stay free of Hollywood's play-safe strategies. But Kevin Smith cheerfully said he'd be happy to do whatever the studios wanted <laughs> if they'd pay for his films. At the time, I thought he was joking. Oh, no. <laughs> and that's as much as I want to go into there. Yeah. Because it's the perfect way to describe it is you have a young filmmaker who finally got money, who finally has a studio on his side, who's still trying to figure out who he is. Yeah. As a filmmaker, as a creator, he gets the money from the studio and realizes, I got issues here. I, I can't really play both sides. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think we see some of him fighting the studio with things like uh, Jason Mewes, and a lot of the casting that went on for this movie was the Universal wanted big names all the way across the board. They were talking about Ethan Hawke for TS, and they wanted Sandler or Farley for Brody. And uh, even uh, Reese Witherspoon and Heather Graham auditioned for the part of Brandy. I'm so happy they didn't give it to any of those names. Yeah, because it would have changed the whole vibe. It just wouldn't have worked. Exactly. It would be distracting more than anything. And like, I'm happy watching it now when Shannon Doherty's not a huge thing. Right. Because I think it works really, really well. With a bunch of unknowns. Exactly. At the time. And it's fun to go back and see where all these large name actors like a Jason Lee or like an Ethan Supley come from. Right. On Amazon.com, this movie's kind of beloved also. Good. Most of the issues were about the disc because, of course, they were. Yeah. And on Letterboxd, people were just saying, yeah, this is a good movie. <laughs> which is also pretty damn boring. That is boring, but it's got to be nice for Kevin when he goes and looks at those reviews after making, you know, a quarter of the budget on this movie. Oh, you know that after like Yoga Hoses, he went right on this on Letterboxd. He's, and he's like, just like, what are people saying I about I got to see rats. what people saying about old movies. I got to see. <laughs> From Letterboxd, August 2nd, 2018. It's true. All of it. People used to go to the mall and not even to shop. You just went walked around, had a cookie, maybe sabotaged a live TV dating show. <laughs> the 90s were fucking weird. Oh, that's great. It's all true. It is absolutely true. That's phenomenal. <laughs> and the last one I have on Letterboxd is from August 7th, 2020. Very confident that I could have gone an entire lifetime without seeing Michael Rooker's arse. <laughs> Yondu got that cake, though. <laughs> Yondu got that cake, though. I love it. <laughs> I kind of think we should do a not-so-super stuff. You think sport. we should do not-so? Because it's it's your birthday, and this is not a comic book movie. This is true. We could do not-so. I'm good with not-so. Start off with story and motivation. I don't know what the story even is. I don't either. It's, it's kind of just playing out. It's another day in the life 
Yeah. Like he did in Clerks like, ah, sort of thing. These two guys broke up with their girlfriends and went to the mall. I'm going to go with a .25 max Got on this one. And went to the mall. Yeah. I think it's generous. .25. Protagonists. I'm going to go with Quentin Brody. It's Quentin Brody. And everybody says that Quint's the lead here, but Brody really steals the show. He really does. And it's not even subtle. No. No. This is the skateboarder showed up and he's like, this is my movie now. I'm going to go .5. Because I, I think they're both really good together. Yes. I believe them as friends. I do too. It, it, something about it feels really right, and something that's weirdly authentic, considering that you know it is considering that Jason Lee Kevin has never Smith acted. Writes dialogue that nobody would ever say. Villains, Mister Svenning. It's got to be Mister Svenning, with a little dash of LaForce. He's just a dad. <laughs> what do you think about it? But he does admit to manipulating the situation so Brandy would break up with with T.S. But it's not even that serious of a situation. It's his daughter doing him a favor. Yeah, like but... it could have been worked out even while they were dating. Like, oh, this is nothing. This is just to get Daddy's TV show off the ground. It's not even that special. It's fair. It just shows that they have a shitty relationship as father daughter. Yeah. He also chokes out T.S. in the mall. Well, he doesn't really choke him out. He grabs him by like the back of the head. Yeah. And that's weird. It's very threatening, though. It is very threatening. <laughs> I'll go point. Five. Yeah, point five. I just don't know any better. For antagonists. I like it. Female characters. Tricky, tricky. Very tricky, because this is Kevin Smith in the 90s. Sure is. <laughs> Brandy, we don't know too much about, but she's pretty good. Yeah. Renee, we don't know too much about, but she's pretty good. Yeah. Gwen, we don't know too much about, but she's pretty good. Yeah. Trisha, we know enough about to know she's not very good. But she's got good intentions for science. Sure, for science. Safe point five to <laughs> bail out of that one. Dirty point five, and we're gonna just also fair. keep moving forward. Setting. This is a mall. It is absolutely a mall. It's a movie called Mall Rats, and this feels like a mall. I've been like, you look at this and you're like, that yeah, that's a mall. I've been to malls. That's what they look like. Growing up in Jersey, you are surrounded. By malls. <laughs> so this, again, felt like going home. Yeah. I'm going to go with uh, 0.75 only because they do the Eden Prairie thing a little too hard. And that bugged the hell out of me. That's fair. Because that is Minnesota. That is Minnesota. And, and they even reference like Rahway Correctional Facility and they reference the Menlo Park Right, mall. they do reference Menlo because it's got a better Easter bunny. It does. But the Eden Prairie thing, being from Jersey, I know there's no such mall. Well, with me. I mean, I feel like that is a small point of contention for a very small portion of the audience. I still want to give it a one because I think it per- personally it captures the mall vibe perfectly, and especially the era. It's your birthday. You do you. I don't like that tone, but I'm doing one for setting <laughs> style and tone. It's weird watching an independent filmmaker try to work within the studio system. Yeah, he obviously did not understand a lot of what was going on. There's actually a story about how one day when they wrapped shooting, he started picking stuff up, and Ben Affleck, who's you know done a couple movies, came up to him and said, hey, stop doing that. You're not part of the union. You can't do this. I've been there. Really? On a film set where you're trying to like... Just trying to help. Big all gung-ho yeah. and trying to help out and be part of the team. And you get these guys like looking at you like, don't you fucking touch that. I will brain you. And you're like, don't brain me. I'm 22. <laughs> Please don't, don't brain me. Don't brain me. What are you, Bruce Springsteen? <laughs> but I get it. I get that feeling of you just, you don't know your place. 
on this set. Yeah. I've been on independent movies. I've been on insanely large budget movies. And it's tricky to figure out your place. And as the creator, the director, I have to imagine it's tricky. And this does feel like there's a lot of studio involvement, but he also somehow keeps the heart in it. It definitely has that Kevin Smith heart, which, you know, at this point in time is great. I'm going to go 0.75. That heart's working properly in the 90s. Thematic heart. The proper heart is probably actually pretty good, too. The, the actual beating yeah. of his yeah. <laughs> blood-pumping muscle. 0.75? I like 0.75. <laughs> Director. It's Kevin fucking Smith. It's Kevin fucking Smith. I'm going to go with the 0.75 again. Uh, yeah. For all the reasons we just For said. For all the reasons that we gushed about him for. And it is... A movie where he's a little bit out of his element because all he's done are these small projects and Universal was like, hey, when Disney flies you out because you had a hit because that's what they do, save some time for us. And he actually was like, okay. And he actually saved this particular movie for Universal because he knew that they were going to just give him something. It's just so strange to me that this is a Universal movie, but it's very much a Kevin Smith movie. So much. But you could definitely see the outside involvement. There's, yeah, 100%. I think 0.75 is appropriate. Music. It's so 90s. It's Ira Newborn with what little of a score there is. It's mostly just, like, music. Like, a lot of people gush about the Weezer B side on this thing. I do like that. Which is very good. I do like that a lot. I'm going to go 0.5 because it's not great but it definitely captures a time. Oh, for sure. But it also feels, again, studio. <laughs> There's definitely, yeah, yeah. There's some studio involvement here. I like at one point they actually use the, um, when they're waiting for the elevator, they play the same song that is at the end of Blues Brothers with the elevator. I'm like, oh, that's a fun callback that most people won't catch. <laughs> I like that quite a bit. Point five for music, which brings us to one-liners. I'm going to start at one. I believe this is that like that's, one yeah. of the, my most quoted movies I do IRL. Oh yeah. I mean everything from autonomous unit for mid mall snacking. I do not say that in public to people. Not often. Because but occasionally. Not often. <laughs> <laughs> a bag of a Volkswagen, we've said it a number of times on this show. Yeah. The kids on the escalator again, we've said it a number of times on, on this show. Um tell them Steve Dave. That's a huge one also. You know what I use a lot is actually just you dumb bastard. It's very good. Hell hath no fear like a woman scorned for Sega. I use all the time also. Yeah. I'm going to easily go one. One. Easily. Easily. That is a one. Impact, because it's a not so super, on the industry. Now, I had my arguments lined up for impact on the genre already, but if we're going industry, that just opens it up even more. Jason Lee and Ben Affleck exploded. Absolutely. After this movie. Like, the amount of explosion can't even be determined. Like, they should not have been able to piece them back together after this. Ethan Supley exploded after this. Stan Lee cameos. This is the first, like, true Stan Lee cameo. It's... Like, the, the big one. Yeah, yeah. It is definitely one of the two of his first cameos that's very big. But as Stan Lee, it's like you're putting a spotlight on the guy. Yeah, and, and you're giving him room to act and to, to make believe. Like Kevin told him, it's like, oh, it's not real. And that's where you get this Stan Lee who makes these wild, wacky cameos where he's playing other characters. 
Right. And also you get Michael Rooker here, who was a proper actor in 1995 as well. But obviously there was a bit of a gap. And then he pops up as one of the more endearing and mysterious characters in the MCU. That's true. Later on. Apparently. So that's really interesting. To this day, when he does appearances at Comic-Cons and stuff, people bring him chocolate-covered pretzels. And I bet he loves it, because he seems like the type of guy who just loves his fans. Oh, he's definitely a pretzel. Oh, yeah, his fans. I was going to say he's a pretzel guy. <laughs> As he calls his fans. You have Lady Gaga who's calling her fans like the little monsters. Rooker fans, they're little pretzels. Little stink palms. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're little pretzels. <laughs> I'm going to go with a one. For impact on the uh, industry. I agree. And you know what? I mean, Affleck exploded, man. And Jason Lee. Exploded. Like, it's just ridiculous. Like, this this is the movie. They discovered Jason Lee. This movie, he does not exist without this movie. uh, Post skateboarding It's unbelievable. It really is incredible what happened. I'm going to drop one more thing on you. I know you already said one. This is the first movie. It's part of a connected universe. What do you mean? I mean, we have clerks that exists and this movie directly links to it with character mentions and crossover but it's a completely different movie but it's part of this extended viewisk universe were there no other like universe i that <laughs> lived outside of this thing beforehand not not in the same extent like you had things like james bond indiana yeah, of jones the batman yeah. movies but there this is like you're taking movies that are almost different genres and different scopes and connecting them in a way that just hadn't been done really before. I'll still live at my one, but I have a feeling you might go high. Even if I, if, if I drop a uh, cinematic universe with Stanley cameos, I just leave it at that. All right, one, two, five. <laughs> I, I heard you. That, that couldn't have been any clearer there. One, two, five. Fine, I'll take it. That's going to give Mallrats a total not-so-super-stuff score of seven. Which might be too high, but that's okay. It also might be too low. Oh, you're right. Somehow, you couldn't have put it any better. Somehow it's both too high and too low. So maybe it's perfect. It's a complicated movie, and that makes it perfect. I like it. Same. That's why I picked it. What I don't like is asking you, <laughs> what are we talking about next week? Well, Dave, that's not up to me. That's up to the ghost of Roger Ebert. Which means it could be actually, it could be anything. It could even be Power Rangers. It better not be Power Rangers. Uh, Roger's bony finger is now going across the board. What has he picked? What number? Well, I know it's not Power Rangers because Power Rangers, I know, is 123 on the Ebert list. And this is number this is? 14. This is an early one. Yeah, this is, we're talking 80s. Uh-huh. This is my favorite time period. Here we go. Directed by Richard Fleischer. It's Red Sonja. We got Arnold Schwarzenegger. We sure do. And Bridget Nielsen. This is going to be a fun one. And (laughs) to think, I was worried we weren't going to get back to the 80s anytime soon. The fearless warrior Red Sonja sets out to avenge her family's murder and rid her kingdom of the tyrannical rule of evil Queen Gedrin. Oh, all right. That sounds like it has potential. Well, it's also got a 5.1 out of 10. But the popularity's through the roof right now. Oh, yeah. 2,900 upwards. I don't know. It's green. Is that good on IMDb? I don't know. Who knows? But this is an early, early Arnold. Yes, please. It absolutely is. Roger, because of you, Bud, Red Sonia, next week. Until then, thank you for listening. Uh, happy birthday to me. Ha <laughs> ha. 
Happy birthday to you, buddy. Uh, I'm glad we got that new Springsteen album out of it. It's about time, really. <laughs> Be sure to rate, review, subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us right now. No matter what you're listening to us on, a, you got this far, there's definitely a button that says subscribe or follow or something. Click it! Do it! It's Brian's birthday. If you don't, it means you hate Brian. My birthday wish, as I close my eyes and blow out the candles, is that you guys click on that subscribe button so you get our, our podcast download, you know, 5 o'clock in the morning on Monday without fail. That's the easy way to do it. And then you don't have to use your stupid fingers to click download and be like, oh, look at me. <laughs> Neanderthal me. Um, Just clicking buttons. Gotta wait for it to download so I can listen to it. No, none of that game. Do it while you sleep, bud. Exactly. Wake up to fresh new Cape Podcasters. Start your week off right. That's the dream right there. Exactly. And while you're clicking buttons, you might as well go over to our social media and follow us there at Cape Podcasters on the Facebook, the Instagram, the Twitter, all over. We're everywhere. All the places, including Patreon, where we already mentioned earlier, we're going to be talking about Money Python and the Holy Grail this month. And next month, October, where we're donating 100% of all proceeds on Patreon and our Super Stuff store on our website, capepodcasters.com, to the Extra Life Foundation next month, October. We're talking about Super Mario Bros. Oh, that's going to be so much fun. Bob Hoskins, John Leguizano, Dennis Hopper. Dennis Hopper. He says monkey, and it's weird. It is. <laughs> and you can hear us talk about it on Patreon for as little as $1 a month. Head over to patreon.com slash capepodcasters, and you get a whole bunch of extra content, a whole bunch of extra episodes yeah. and movies that we talk about. Head on over there. Yeah. We figure you're paying for it. We're going to give you the goods, baby. Right. Become one of our favorites. It's no secret that, that we edit some of the content in these episodes, and I'll be honest with you, when we're doing the episodes for Patreon, if a joke is a little iffy, we go, ah, it's Patreon, and we leave it in. It gets weird. It gets, it gets real weird. It gets weird. weirder than this Bruce Springsteen album we ran with in this episode, so. Just like Bruce Springsteen was born to run, I was born to edit. <laughs> and you both do it so well. Well, one of us is doing it better these days, because we're not on stage yelling Again, Michael Richards' weirdness <laughs> at a crowd, which he has not done yet. It's true. I want to put it out there. He has not done it. Yet. Yet. <laughs> but yeah, join us on Patreon. 100% of the proceeds are going to Extra Life Foundation in October, which uh, in turn is going to be donated to the Connecticut Children's Hospital, which is part of the Children's Miracle Network, which is where all of the money that goes to Extra Life goes. It's a fantastic foundation, and we could not be happier to be able to donate to them. Absolutely. If you have any questions or comments or, or suggestions you want to send our way, you can email them to gmail.com or stay tuned on that Facebook page because every week we put up a post saying, hey, this is what we're talking about. Do you have any questions or comments? Brian, no one likes your birthday. Yeah, that checks out. Or it's Labor Day. <laughs> there is that. And no one feels like writing in. It's like, I have to be on the computer all the time. It's a holiday. I'm not doing that. We got one comment. One comment. And I really fucking hate it. Oh, no, that means it's probably good, though. It's from our good buddy, Micah. Okay. And he says, happy birthday, Brian Betts. For your birthday, I would like for you to list out your favorite impressions that Dave does. <laughs> and then make him recreate them in the moment. Okay, okay. I've been doing a Bruce impression this entire episode. It's true. You've been doing a, a Bruce all episode. And when we first started, I was like, how do you do a Bruce Springsteen impression without actually singing? And I feel like you've nailed it. And I tried to copy it. I don't know if I did a good job. It's the Jersey, baby. It's the, yeah, I'm not as Jersey as you. So I can't, I can't pull off I got Springsteen. Taylor Ham 
just flowing through me. It's called pork roll, but you son of a bitch. <laughs> we weren't going to do this. <laughs> so we weren't going to do it. I know you do a mean Pee Wee Herman. I got to think of what to say in it. Hey, you, daddy, with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of fun. I like thrashed my throat trying to do that one. I couldn't get that. <laughs> yeah. That's one of my favorites. Go on. I, I mean, I'm always a fan of your Pooh Bear and Kermit. Hi ho, Pooh Bear. Hello, Kermit. What are you doing there, Pooh? I'm just touching this rhubarb. <laughs> oh, no. You never touch another man's rhubarb, Pooh Bear. Why don't you go fuck yourself? <laughs> oh, bother. <laughs> Out of the deer. <laughs> uh, you want one more? I'll give you one. I can. More. I think I, I can think of one more. These aren't even good. Probably one of the first impressions you ever did in the podcast. Um, it's got to be Joker. All right, uh, the Mark Hamill Joker. It's the a one good I one. Usually go for. Yeah. Hello, Betsman. Happy birthday to you, my good friend and co-host. <laughs> Wow. I expected something rude. Now I'm I'm touched. And go fuck yourself. There the we go. Yeah. There it is. Definitely Power Rangers now. Son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, are you happy? Is the wish yeah, fulfilled? Yeah, yeah. That's that's plenty. And that wasn't <sighs> even my wish. That was Micah's wish. So Well, we're assholes all around right now. That's right. Good. On front street. Micah, thank you, but no thank you. I can't wait to see you on the special no thanks on Bruce Springsteen's new album. <laughs> A special no thanks. Yes. Uh, yes, all of it. Brian, do you have anything else? I have nothing else. Fantastic. Next week, Red Sonia. Same pod time. Same pod America. America.